Hey, welcome to the In Progress podcast. My name is Brad. I've got a couple of guys here with me tonight. We are going to be talking about the subject of fasting. I know it's not something that a lot of people are used to. A lot of people have questions about it. And so that's why we're getting into it tonight, because we believe that there is an element to fasting that the church maybe is missing out on that I think could reveal a lot of really good things about how a church can view metrics of success. And so as we talk about fasting, we're going to hear from a couple of guys who are experiencing currently right now are in the middle of a fast. In fact, our church, Garden City Church, is going through a 21-day, should we say challenge, journey, whatever all you want. All the above. It's all of it. Yeah. Journey, challenge, 21 days. We are on day two. Day two. Day one, I don't know about you guys, but I was, I, I, I did really bad. I did so bad I'm on day one. <laughs> <laughs> so this is your day one. <laughs> so good. So um, Gabriel and Chris, you, you guys were here on the last episode when we talked about um, the idea of prayer and interceding and things. But now we're, we're moving into this idea of fasting. And obviously because of our church doing this challenge or walking on this journey, whatever you want to call it, this fast I think already has revealed a lot of things for me, and I'm sure you guys have also experienced something in this last day and a half as we wrap up day number two, maybe you guys could walk us through what you've experienced in the last day or so from what you're fasting from and, and kind of the idea of like, here's what I'm learning. So um, Chris, why don't you start us off, bro? Like take us through how your fast is going. It's going. Um, I am challenged for, sec- for the second day. Um, not giving myself what I want. That's the number one challenge. Number two is knowing what to pray for. Um, I know you gave us a list to pray for. Um, that was easy to pray for, but I wanted to try to understand what does the Lord want from me? Um, cause I know I'm, I should be in a position to receive and give myself to him so he can give me the, you know, the desires of my heart. And, um, I think day one, I wanted to hear an answer. Hmm. Um, but I think that's the consumer side of me. Like I'm doing something and give me an answer. Um, but we're doing this for 21 days. Yeah, I might not get the answer. Days yeah, to get an answer. So yeah, just trying to position myself to just be with him, um, and receive and um, just get myself aligned of what he wants me to do in his will. Yeah, for sure. What about you, Gabriel? What are you learning on day one of? Two day two of one uh, day one of one. How weak I am. Um, <laughs> uh, the how, you know, when I started this, I was like, all right, this is what I'm gonna fast, and then maybe a couple hours, I started talking to myself. Well, uh, maybe that's too much. Maybe let's, <laughs> let's pull back a little. You could do this. You could do that. Let's just give just half of what you want to give up. And, you know, of course, I denied that. Uh, and it's really, I could see how my flesh really wanted to, g- I wanted to get in my own way and start making deals with myself. Wow. Like, maybe I'm fasting too much. Let's fast. Let's do baby steps instead of, like, taking that full leap into this fast. Yeah. Well, I, and I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's such a bad thing. I think for anyone who's never fasted before, I think that that could be a good thing for them to take baby steps into that but maybe you guys have fasted before maybe you guys can share your experiences on your um, past experiences of fasting that maybe gave you a groundwork or a foundation 
of where you knew you could start with the fast because you had done it before? Uh, my first and only fast was with Jess, and I mentioned that on the last podcast, but we fasted not to draw closer to him specifically, but for something from him. Um, so it was more like, I want to do this um, to honor you, and hopefully you can give us what we want. Um, this has been a whole new perspective for me. Um, I don't want what I want. I want what he wants. So I'm positioning myself to receive from him and not just ask. Um, you know, again, we have the list of things to ask for for the church and other things. Um, but I'm, the difference is I'm positioning myself, I'm giving him my desires, my body, so he can give me his desires. Yeah, that's good. Um, I know for me, like, I mean, I've been a pastor for eight and a half, nine years now. And I have fasted even before being a pastor, but I had fasted through um, different circumstances that came up in my life as I knew that there was sin or that there was a big decision needed. And it was just, I don't want to, because what, what happens when you're thinking through like a big decision and you want God to answer, you'll immediately start looking for anything mm -hmm. to be a little clue as to like what you think God is trying to say. Like there was a red car that drove over the freeway. I guess I am supposed to get that car. At 12 or when you, right. <laughs> or when you see the car that you keep telling your wife or someone like, Oh, I'd love to have a truck. And then you start seeing trucks everywhere. And you're thinking to yourself like, God, is this a sign? Like, no, that's not how it works. That's not, that's not what it means to fast or to seek out an answer from God. Fasting is ultimately like we talked about on Sunday at church. Like it's a hunger for a homesickness for God. That's coming from John Piper in his book, Hunger for God, which is great if you haven't read it. It's on prayer. It's on fasting. It's a really great book. And I'll be honest with you. I looked on Amazon for so many different books on fasting and all I got were all these different diet books, cookbooks, recipes on fasting, intermittent fasting, Daniel fasting. And it was, I couldn't find anything specifically on fasting from a biblical scriptural perspective. And the only one that I have found out there is John Piper's book called A Hunger for God. So if fasting is a hunger for a homesickness for God, what do you think for you yourself personally, if you're willing to go that far right now with us, what what did you used to be homesick for other than God that was your sustenance? Like for me, I think that there was a level of, um, I shared this in a group text with you guys this morning, like for me, I always wanted my Bible to look pristine and clean. And so I would have a ruler, I would make straight lines. But what I ended up finding out is that I focused more on like asking God to speak to me so that I could make the straight line in my Bible. And then I'd flip through and like, look at all these beautiful, like perfect lines. Like it's, it's the aesthetic, you know, like, yeah, it is a beautiful thing. And I told you guys like, it's the stupidest thing, but it became like an idol for me. Like I was delving into scripture more for the sake of like writing it up and, and highlighting and underlining and writing notes in the margins rather than just like reading it, you know? And I think you mentioned that the other day, Gabriel, about do you guys just ever just like read scripture? And I was like, no, like I, I need to yeah, write. You ask that. And when yeah. you asked that, bro, I was like, shoot, I haven't actually like read without a pen, without paper, and just like read yeah. scripture. And dude, that was convicting for me because I'm always wanting it to be something else other than what it should be, which is about God's word itself. So what are some things that you have become homesick for, in a sense, 
that maybe wasn't God at first, but became something else. And now you're starting to see the effects of that as you fast from particular things. Um, mine is sort of on the same level. I guess I use commentaries more than I use God's word. Mm. Like instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to talk and speak to me and show me what it, it, he wants to show me, instead I would just run straight to a book and have them tell me what this means. Wow. And I had to, it, I mean, I was like that for a long time and I've gotten better. Uh, there are some times where I still find myself falling into that little rabbit hole of I just want to gain so much knowledge from commentaries instead of, you know, opening myself up and yeah. having the Holy Spirit show me. Hmm. And maybe that's why, you know, I feel sometimes like man, God's not giving me an answer. Hmm. Maybe because I'm not allowing him to give me wow. an answer that I'm just, Dang. you know, what do these you know theologians, these scholars, what let them feed me rather than the Lord himself? Yeah. And I mean, that's also what happens when we fast is we realize some of the things that we've made bigger than God, not that God has moved, but that these other things have always been so close to our ear, to our eyes, to our mouth, that we get used to them and we enjoy that flavor of them. Not that we don't enjoy God, but that we've enjoyed these things so much that they've kind of clouded our vision or our view of where God is and who he should be. Um, rather than allowing ourselves to see that God has given me this thing and now I can use it as a way of honoring him, which in, in fact is next week in our sermon, I'll be talking about Matthew 6, don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, because I think that that is something in particular to fasting that can also reveal the things that we have laid up as treasure here on earth. And fasting is the way that you begin to lay up treasures in heaven because it is supposed to be a hunger for God. That's what fasting should be. So in the in this last day, what has God shown you through your fast that maybe you didn't recognize you would see? Is it as easy as you thought it would be? Is it on par with what you thought it would be? Is it more difficult? Like walk us through both of you guys, like your view of fasting the last day. I'll tell you what. <clears throat> You know how you pray before every meal. You know, you do a quick prayer. Okay, thank you for this meal. Oh, the meal I had this morning, very small meal. I was like, Lord, thank you for this meal. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I give you my body after this meal. Um, I dedicate, you know, the rest of the day for you. Wow. Um, and then when I get my final one, um, I'm even more thankful. Thank you. <laughs> like, I I really haven't sat down and appreciated, um, you know, the food that he provides. It, that's just a new perspective for me. Yeah. That's crazy because we can take so much of that for granted. Exactly. We sit down like, you know, my kids will say like, oh, Lord, thank you for this day. Bless it to our bodies. Bless our food. Amen. And it's like, yeah, hey, okay. Because cool. the food like, is expected. <laughs> wow, bro. But that's a good point. Yeah. The food is just expected. Yeah. Wow. That actually blew my mind right now. Like, yeah. Why wouldn't the food to be there? Yeah. Jeez. Man, maybe we, maybe we should hit pause on this episode. <laughs> start over. Goodness gracious. Wow. That was really good. Gabriel, what about you, bro? Uh, I've just learned how I don't give him enough time as I used to, as I yeah. should. Mm. Yeah. It's so much stuff is going on. I'm always, and uh, I mean, it's not all like important stuff. I mean, I, I, um, I delete social media and I find myself. Anyone else? Anyone? Yes, yeah, sir. I find myself <laughs> just picking up my phone and then I have to re remember, oh, I don't have Instagram. Like, 
yeah. why am I picking? It's so subconscious that it's like instead of those moments where I can pray or I can journal or I can read scripture, mm-hmm. my sub- subconsciously, I just my brain just tells me, pick up your phone and start scrolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's really shown me how much dead time I have throughout, throughout the day. And then at the end of the day, when I don't get to journaling, when I don't get to my scripture reading, I'm, you know, thinking like, oh, the day just isn't long enough when it's, you have the time. It's just, you're just doing something else with it. Yeah. You're filling your mind with everything else instead of, yeah. Right. You make time for the things you love. Yeah. And I mean, even last night I was watching football. Um, uh, By the way, week one of the NFL, how we feeling, boys? A couple of teams that we fought. now. (laughs) How about them Cowboys? Oh, man. Those good old Cowboys. Amer- America's team, is that what it is? No. Didn't Jerry Jones even call them God's team yeah. at some Did point? Did he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, like a while ago, mm-hmm. which whatever. Um, yeah, dude, this week. Anyway, I was watching the game, and then even as I'm watching it, which even my focus would be on that and watching plays unfold and whatnot, I found myself watching the screen and then going for my phone and picking it up and ready to scroll as a – a second distraction to what I was already doing. And I was like, what in the world? Like why? And I didn't realize that for, for so long. And it took one day, one day of a fast for it to be like, yo, you suck. Like you need to get off your phone. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't believe how many times I actually touched my phone in a span of 25 minutes. And I was just blown away. Like, I mean, I've even considered getting a flip phone. Like they can only make phone calls and text with T9. Anyone remember T9 on the, on the flip phone? Yeah, T9. Like, I think so. You don't remember? Wow. Okay, so guys, come on. You remember T9. Like, you had to, you had the keypad, one, two, it, three, it made, oh, four, yeah. five, six, it seven, made the, the But you had to push, you know, if you wanted B, you had to push it twice, yeah, or yeah. if you needed a Q, you push it whatever That was time. called like, T9? It's called T9. Oh. You're welcome. Hmm. Wait, but I thought, things we learned. I thought it would do it for you. Like, if you just pick the the numbers it'll like bro that was word that was coming. after you had to create it for yourself see see how much we i mean the cool kids evolved. had the sidekick anyways <laughs> i never had one with the lights and I everything <laughs> that was amazing anyway off track and distracted from that um i think social media can be a big thing for a lot of people to fast from um we mentioned on sunday in the sermon that there's not this strict line on fasting only being about food. I think within the cultural context that Jesus was talking about, there was food involved, and obviously there was no social media back then. But I think that there's a bigger picture to also recognizing some of the things that we've even allowed to replace our food, that even when we are eating food, it's not even about the food. It's about the scrolling. You know, if you've I been got a on big a, one for you. It's about the feed. It's about the, this guy. <laughs> He's got all the dad jokes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Jess, I'm sorry. <laughs> this guy. Like, even on a date, when, when I was first dating my wife um, at the time, we would be at a restaurant, and I'd be scrolling, and she's like, what are you doing? Like, I'm right here, you know? I, and we're not married yet, so it's like, do I need to win her approval still? And But I felt like I had it. And she, not, not that I needed to. She wasn't trying to Uh-oh. communicate like, hey, you need to win my approval still. Like, we're not, we're not setting this yet. But it was her whole thing. She just kept saying, be here now. And it's like, why would I choose to be at the table there with her on this date, but then tell myself, oh, I need to go somewhere else mm-hmm. and go somewhere else on social media and just scroll or see what else was going on in someone else's life rather than knowing what was going on in my girlfriend's life. Like that was just something that has stuck with me for the last nine years. That gets louder with kids. 
when you have kids. It does. So I think that you have something good to say when you said that the whole thing about time and whatnot. I think a lot of people who are listening are realizing how much time they actually do have. Like, how have you made time during your fast, like through this process of recognizing, wow, I do have a lot of downtime. What can I do with it? And how can I redeem it and spend time with my family and whatnot? Ask that again. What? So you were saying about your fast. Yeah. You were saying how. There's you, more time. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like explain that a little bit more. Well, I mean, you know, we all, you talked about the screen time, you know, we get every week. Yeah. And, you know, it really, uh, you know, not to get too personal, but I don't have my daughters all week. I right. have them during the week. So I have already have limited time with them. Yeah. So, you know, this time of because I've I've also like put away like electronics Mm -hmm. somewhat during my fast. And that that was not just for the Lord, but like me recognizing I need to be there for my daughters, for my wife, because like, you know, we're all doing our own thing. Uh, The girls have their tablets. My wife, she's taking care of the baby. I'm watching TV. We don't eat at the table together for dinner all the time. So it's like, you know, they'll each have their tablet on, on the, on the table. I'll be watching a movie or football and my wife would, will be, um, you know, taking care of Levi or she's feeding Levi. And it's like, um, that dead time, even though we could be eating, but we could be eating together. Right. And it's sort of that time where it's like, that's that's a great time and i never had that you know growing up i rarely did my family rarely ate at the table hmm. and why? it's like why we we're all just doing our own thing so we we're all then, in our own room no tablets or anything it was just the fact that yeah i'd get my food go to my room watch whatever i'm watching my sisters I would do the same loved to have eaten food in my room <laughs> really? my, my parents forced not in a bad way but i mean maybe i resented it then but they forced us to have family dinners every single night that's good. And it was like devotion every single night. It was like, I just want to go back outside and play. And now I'm seeing because I'm doing devotion at, at my family dinner time with my girls. All they're wanting to do is go outside. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I just want to go play outside with my friends. Okay, well, we're going to do devotion. I sometimes feel guilty doing a devotion with them because I don't want them to resent me like, oh, well, dad never let us play outside because we had to do family devotion. Or resent the devotion. Or resent the devotion. Yeah, oh, yeah we're just reading scripture. And good. so I'm asking them questions about it. And they're like, Jesus, can we go outside now? Like, th- that's just the thing. And so I've I've grown kind of weary of kind of the opposite way of like not wanting to push so much of this spiritualness on my kids that they begin to resent it. But then I realize like, even if I allow that, then they're going to want to be with their friends and they're going to choose their friends even if I give them the choice. Mm of friends or family yeah. devotion. They're always going to be like, well, I want to go play with my friends. Yeah. So it's interesting that you mentioned like not even having that growing up because I had that growing up and I sort of resented it for some time. But now that I've got my own kids, like well, it's, it's hard to break thing. the cycle. Like, wow, I'm so used to just eating by myself. Hmm. You know, that's what I've always done. So it's hard. It had, I had to be very intentional of, Hey, let's all sit down, put everything away, turn wow. everything off. And you know, just tell me how school was. <laughs> like, like, just tell me about it your was day. Good. Like, I just want, yeah, pretty much. That's all. And, that, and that's all you get. So, I mean, it's just, it's just so much time I've wasted. Wow. <laughs> and it's, you know, after the twenty-one days, I hope I don't go back to it. I hope, you know, 
or that there's at least a healthy rhythm yeah. that you introduce into it that maybe it's not every night, but yeah. that you're starting to see and develop even from your kid's perspective. Like they may see like, wow, dad's a lot different now. Yeah. Well, I know uh, like even Bree, she's, she's told the girls like we want to start uh, just a family night, just play a board game or, yeah. or watch a movie together. So we, we want to do that and cool. just really, just really create that time where they, we just turn everything off. Like, yeah. let's just be together. We're in, a house, but we're not together. And it's like, <laughs> right. let's be intentionally together. Right. Do you, do you think that's what church is nowadays? Like a whole bunch of we're flash together, show, but not together. we're together, but not together. Yeah, a bunch of siloed people. Yeah. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think that that plays into the, the whole Western Christian church is people who show up on a Sunday, right? When service starts, they participate, you know, and then as soon as it's like, okay, God bless, have a great week, mm-hmm. it's like out to the car, we're going to brunch, we're going to football, we're going whatever. Yep. It's just, for some people, it can just simply be a spiritual checklist. And they allow that to be what forces them into the rhythm because they have that sense of conviction, but it, they won't feel as much conviction if they go to church and, mm-hmm. and like do the thing, you know? Yep. Yeah, I used to be like that. I used to like big churches. Like, well, you don't have to fellowship. Yeah, you don't know. You don't have to know my business. Mm-hmm. You know, you get. You can't keep me accountable. Let me just come here, do my thing, and leave. Yep. Whereas I got older, I started wanting that small church. Like I want people up in my business, mm-hmm. and I want to create fellowship and Why? relationship. Why is that though? There's just something you get out of it. I mean, I think yeah. it just feels good. It's biblical. It's 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 sort of like uh, fulfilling those healthy Christian relationships healthy godly men to keep you accountable that you can go to i mean that is i mean invaluable to, yeah. to me like you guys i mean i know like you know if i was at a big church i would never know the pastor i would mm. never know uh the deacons the elders and but here everyone's approachable and you create those bonds like i've created with you guys where if i do need to text you guys like uh the reminder uh, you know, <laughs> so I don't eat. Like I know I can go to you guys. Like, hey, text me at this time because I want to eat. Text and, me. Don't do it. It's exactly. It's yeah. Just, just something small like that. And it's That's like accountability. It's so yeah, yeah, accountability. To keep you from eating your lunch. You know, people are so scared of that word accountability, and yeah. it's like yeah. it is very valuable to have in a Christian life. Yeah. One of the men in our in our small groups, our men's group, even said after their prayer, like, I want to be able to tell you if I'm cheating or not. Like that's how I want yeah. the level of accountability to wow. be, and I, that was like, wow, yeah, let's, yeah, let's keep that door open, um, let's nourish those relationships to where we can keep each, keep each other accountable. Yeah, that's good, and I think, I think when it comes to fasting, when it comes to even the Christian church, like you just mentioned, kind of the in and out sort of thing, like the siloed version of your family, Gabriel, at at dinner time, but then the siloed version of Christians who come in for church and just peace out afterwards. Um, Obviously, we have found that that is a more beautiful version of what we see in the New Testament church, in the early church. And why do you think when you were fellowshipping at a larger church, it was easier, apart from the accountability, like accountability, I think, is even even frightening in a small church. Accountability just anywhere yeah. for anything. I mean, you think about your budget, accountability with your budget. Like, you don't want accountability with your budget. You want to just know, like, 
what's in my bank account. I can spend this. I know how much my bills are and that's it. You don't want anyone to be like, yo, why are you spending money on that? Yeah. It's not just a Christian thing. Accountability is something that is far fetched in any version of it. Our marriage, our finances, our relationships or addictions or whatever. Like those are things that people don't want accountability across the board. But why do you think accountability is so feared that people are afraid of accountability in the church? Is it because they're hiding sin or because they're afraid that it might become gossip? Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, at least from my perspective, like, I think maybe for me, accountability was like, I didn't want people to find out about my sin. Yeah. When I was younger, especially like as a teenager going through youth group and stuff, like I didn't want my counselor to know that I was like thinking about a, a girl or whatever, greed or whatever. So like, me, I, I just didn't want to look at it. If someone points it out to you, you have to look at it where if I just put my head in the sand, I don't have to look. I at don't it. know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't have to look at it. I don't have hmm. to look how, how corrupt and, and ugly this sin is. And I could just continue to feel good about myself. And you can deal with it on your own. People say that, but they don't really deal with it. Right, they, right. But yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like I'll, the excuse. I'll, I'll, I'll do it myself. Yeah. Right. Because they think the relationship is personal just between them and God. And yes. that's it. Yes. You know, when God calls you into his family, he's not just calling himself father. He's calling everyone else brother and sister. Yeah. And so I think that that's another level of... Well, I mean, like off topic, like yeah. accountability goes with like people don't like church membership mm. because that's right. being accountable. And right. they're like... I don't want the church to know when I don't want them to check up on me. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to be accountable for my attendance. I don't want to be accountable for anything like that. Right. And it's just, I guess it's just scary having people calling you out and that's how some people feel. Yeah. And I, I, I think when, when you have someone who's calling you out, you think that their motive is to expose something that you're already aware of most of the time that makes it seem as if they have something on you. Yeah. Like, well, I'm going to hold you accountable because I know this thing about you. And if you won't allow yourself to be accountable to the church, then I'm going to go and tell everyone about it. Yeah. And people get afraid that we said it before, that prayer corners can become gossip circles. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, he asked for prayer about this, but did you know what's going on over there? And, you know, X, Y, and Z with this whole thing of like, well, one thing led to another and now I don't want accountability and church hurt can happen sometimes, but I don't think that that's necessarily off topic though, Gabriel, because I think with fasting, you start to see the hunger for God and it gives accountability a different perspective. It gives church membership a different perspective. It gets tithing a different perspective. I think that's what the whole purpose of us fasting as a church is, is that God is calling us into a different perspective than what we've been used to and hopefully after this fast, we'll start to see people not so often just show up for church and then leave right after. I think they're going to start to see like, oh, shoot, we're all fasting at the same time. Well, that was the other thing I was going to mention is that, you know, I shared what I'm, fast, what I'm fasting um, from with you guys. We're fasting together. Um, that, there's some accountability there. There's some exposing some of the stuff that I deal with. Um, when, when can we have that conversation outside of fasting? Hmm. Like, as a congregation, we all know that we're doing things, we're getting rid of things so that we can have more time for God. So that means there's some things that could be sins in our lives, could be idols. Um, so we're more comfortable to share that with each other because we're both tackling it together. Right. So maybe that opens the conversation to, for more accountability. 
and the other thing I wanted to mention too is yeah. one of the one of the guys I was talking to um, in the men's group. He was afraid to get axed out mm-hmm. whenever he exposed something of some mm-hmm. sin in his life. Wow. Um, there's those Christian circles where I don't want to be, you know, known as his friend because he did this. You know, so there's there's that scared part about accountability too. Yeah. And so for fasting, I mean, when we think of fasting, Jesus says, when you fast, he's not saying if you fast or Mm -hmm. maybe you should consider it. He says, when you fast, Matthew chapter six, Jesus is getting right into fasting. And he's like, when you fast, which means that he's calling us and requiring of us to fast. He's expecting that from us. And the reason prayer and fasting go hand in hand is because through prayer, you can see what you need to fast from. And then while you're in the midst of that fast, you can come to see what needs you can begin to pray for. And so that's why we've called our church to prayer and fasting, because we are not just wanting to show up to church every Sunday and just like, Lord, be with us today. Like, I think that that's a given, knowing that the omnipotence and omniscience of God is with us everywhere. So it's not that And it's not a bad thing to pray that, but it's more so the perspective of, okay, we already know God is with us, but what is God wanting to take us to? And I I shared that big vision for our church, like five years down the road, 10 years down the road. What does that look like? I think the way that we discover what that looks like is through prayer and fasting, not just, Lord, be with us this week. Lord, be with our situations or circumstances that we're not aware of yet. But Lord, what does Garden City exist to do? And I think that's the big question that we can come to God with in prayer, fast about it, and then pray even more specific after that. And I think even personally too, Lord, what should I fast about? Okay, I realize social media is a big thing or whatever you've decided in your fast is the thing that you need to do. Now you can say, Lord, I haven't given this thing over to you. I haven't surrendered this thing over to you. And we talked about Tim Keller's four idols that will help us identify areas to start in our fast. The four idols are power, comfort, control, and approval. And so of those four things, I think that you can start to begin to see where God is wanting to remove that idol that should ultimately be who he is, whether it's power, recognizing that it's not in your power, but it's in his or in comfort, or in control, or in approval. And so from that place, fasting itself seems to be pretty necessary for someone who's in a relationship with Christ. Why is it then, and and I don't think this is just our experience, but why is it that the Western church, like America, American churches in the United States of America, why isn't fasting a metric of growth or success? Uh, I think it's just, um, it's not attractive. Yeah. It's doesn't get people, doesn't get people's, you know, hyped, I guess, <laughs> you know, yeah, this fast, you know, everything else, uh, you know, the, our, our, civil, our society measures success on numbers, mm-hmm. even the church. And how do you put a number on fasting? Yeah, well, you can't, you can't really, I mean, and I think it's just, that's not something new believers or even non-believers, I don't think it'll attract them to, 
yeah, let me let me join this church just so I can fast. Right. Where, you know, uh, I lost my train of thought. Well, it's denying yourself. I don't think anybody wants to deny yeah, themselves. Yeah, there you, you know, go. In yeah, a consumer world. Right. If you're going to hear a sermon on fasting or a sermon on how to get things from God, people are going to mm-hmm. gravitate towards, oh, well, I want something from God and I want him to bless me. But fasting will also get you those things from God. It just has a different title and a different perspective. But here are here are four steps to have success with God or whatever. And it's like how to fast. You know, like yeah. church just doesn't necessarily want to hear that a lot. And so, Gabriel, I think you're on the right point about these these numbers, you know, numbers of, well, how many new people did we have this week? How many um, new baptisms? How many new professions of faith? How many knew this or knew that? And I think that it's it's cradling the the idea of allowing metrics of success to be how culture and society views success. It's always about numbers. How many sales did you have last quarter? Or how many units did you sell? Or real estate, how much money did you get over ask? Or, or whatever it is, like those are metrics of success. So why have we shifted from what the New Testament church is telling us to when it says to break bread, communion, Lord's Supper, um, fellowship, and the teaching of the apostles. Like Acts 2 says, and it's, it's a very different perspective. And so often people use Acts 2 as like, well, this is what the church should be, and this is what the church should do. But one of the verses that a lot of, a lot of time we miss is, I think it's verse 44 or 45, but it says that they sold all their possessions and they were giving everything away. Like, why doesn't the church ever talk about that part either? Like, if that's not a metric of success, then I don't know what is. Because you're literally willing to sell your possessions, to give it away to anyone who's in need. And I think because, like you said, Gabriel, it's just not, it's not attractive. Like, why would I give things away when I'm trying to get things from God? It's that consumeristic mindset, like you said, Chris. It's coming into church, what do you have for me today? And if you don't have what I want from you today, I'm going to go find a church that will. Mm-hmm. I think people see that in tithing as well, how you say, mm-hmm. I'll fast so I can get something. Right. I mean, a lot of churches use, you know, hey, God, you know, challenged you on this one thing. Give me this and right. you'll give, a, I'll give you even more. Right. And people Prosperity have that mind, mindset of, well, let me tithe so that right. I can get stuff back from, yeah. from the Lord. Right. And fasting even sometimes can be that way too. Like, well, I'm going to fast because I want something from God. Yeah. And not that God won't do something big in fasting. I mean, before we came to the church here and before we knew we were coming to Beaumont to start a church, we prayed and we fasted and God gave us an answer. And it wasn't that I was necessarily looking for an answer, but I was just wanting to trust God through the process. I knew that there was a process and I knew that God was going to answer us in his time but I think that's what we often um, lose sight of is in the fast, we think uh, so much about what I've given up as like, God, look at what I've given up. Like I've given up social media for 21 days as if he's going to like, you know, mm-hmm. start clapping in, in praise of what we've done. Because obviously like we don't, um, we don't measure that off of that metric, but we measure it off of like, Am I closer to God? Because that's ultimately what I desire. More than I desire starting a church, I desire to be closer to God. But because I'm drawing closer to God, I'm going to hear him more clearly, right? And so I think that's where the fast 
takes a turn is when you are wanting to be so in tune with God that you start to then hear him more clearly because you're distraction free. And that was my main focus. Renew my thoughts. Mm. I don't, I don't want my desires. I want your desires. So again, I was trying to hear from him, but really it felt like a, a reset. Like, Hey, stop, yeah. stop doing it your way. Do it mm. my way. Um, take the time to figure out what I want for you. Um, be in my will, not your will. Wow. That's good. Yeah, fasting, I think, has been, um, it's a big challenge. I mean, we're only in day two of it. Well, day one for Gabriel, because you have a your <laughs> second day one. There you go. Um, and I mean, even throughout this podcast, like we'll, we'll continue to talk about some of the challenges that we face as we get even further. But I wonder if we'll start to see some of the answers by our next episode and things like that, too. So I'm curious, like, what that's going to look like for us throughout this challenge. But I really believe that this moment of prayer and fasting for our church is not so that God would answer us, but so that we would be closer to God. But as we get closer to God, we start to hear him more clearly and we start to see the answers he starts to give us and he starts to open our eyes to these things. So dude, check this out. I, I was in a counseling meeting last night with a couple who's about to get married. We're doing pre-marriage counseling last night. And I talked to the fiance and she's telling me, um, I sent an email out to everyone in the church yesterday about this whole challenge. Hey, download the guide. Here's the prayer thing, whatever. And so I'm telling her about this. And she tells me that her sister, who's not a believer, um, is driving in the car with her. She's driving. And so she gets an email and she says, hey, can you read this email? Oh, I like it. <laughs> can you read this email out loud to me so I know what it is? Because she saw that it was from her church. She's like, oh, read it out loud to me. So her sister, who's not a believer or I guess I shouldn't say wasn't a believer, but fell away from God, um, starts reading this email that I had sent out about prayer and fasting, and her sister just stops like throughout the email, and she's like, I need to give my life to Christ. What? And she's just like, I just, like, I need to start going back to church. And her sister and her husband are fasting and praying right now for 21 days, simply because an email came through that wasn't even intended for her, and she's reading this email, and she's just like, I need to fast. Like wow. she sensed something so strong about prayer and fasting from an email from someone who had fallen away from God and then realized like, okay, like you made me read this to you. I didn't know what it was. You didn't know what it was. And she had already been thinking like, how am I going to go back to church? How am I going to get back with God? Well, and I wonder now if she because sees, of that email, she's coming to church on Sunday. I wonder if she sees the Lord in her sister's life. So that kind of aided to that as yeah, well. Sure. You know, so it's really important to show that to your family, your walk, show your walk. Of course, Matthew says not to, you know, fast and show everyone that you're fasting. But right. in this case, it was evangelical. That's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. And it, yeah, the evangelistic moments happen in ways that you don't even try to make them happen. Yeah. And even sometimes when you try to make them happen, they don't work even as powerful as something like this. Mm -hmm. But that, I think, shows that we can't view metrics of success or measure success in the church by... Well, how many Bibles did we give out? Or how many new people? How many welcome cards did we have people fill out? How many new Garden City coffee mugs did we give out? Which we have those, by the way, in case you don't have one. You can, you can get one from us if you want to email us. We'd love to give you one. But the whole idea is that we have these measures of success in so many different avenues. Well, we had how X, X amount of kids in our, in our kids' ministry this week. Or we had 30 new people show up. Or whatever that number, whatever that measure is. It's always this idea of when people ask, how is the church doing? It's often, 
really the question is how many people do you have in your church this week? Yeah. yeah. And people always ask me like, how's your church doing? And I'm like, well, we're fasting right now and we're praying and people are coming to Christ through emails. <laughs> like, I think that's a good metric. So that's the challenge. The challenge is not being able to measure success how culture and society does. So here's your key performance indicators. Your, your KPIs? My KPIs. Love it. Equip God's people, build up the church, mature in the Lord, Christ is a standard. That's all in Ephesians 4.12. I love it. Yeah, I think that's the measure of success is not how many butts do we have in the seats, but how many people are walking out of here acting and living like Jesus. I mean, that's our vision. That's our mission statement, cultivating a love for God and others. If they're not cultivating a love for God and others inside the church, it's not going to happen outside the church. It has to start here. It has to be here. And so if we want to call it, quote unquote, metrics of success or measurements of of success, the measurement of success is, am I becoming more like Jesus? And that's the metric that should matter more than anything else. But And how do we measure that? With small groups? Yeah, you, I, yeah, you, you can measure it with small groups. You can measure it with volunteer involvement. I mean, obviously, as membership comes about, like that's a big measurement of um, success, if you want. I don't want to call it success, but um, moving in the right direction, um, tithing, and like all those spiritual disciplines. I think that as you formulate a structure of practicing how to follow Jesus, that becomes your metric of success. But it can't be, here's, here's the thing I've seen so often is that people want to try to reproduce what another church is doing. Mm-hmm. Saddleback is doing small groups this way. So we have to do it that way because mm-hmm. they have over 5,000 people in small groups. Well, if they have 5,000 people in small groups, they must be doing something right. So we need to go and watch Saddleback's small group pastor do what he does so that we can replicate what he's doing. Well, that has evangelism and they do big outreach events. And, and so we need to see what that product is or the product of you fill in the blank. Like th- that has been the metric of success for so long. What are all these big churches doing as measures of success? Because we want that too. You cannot replicate an organism and make it look like something else because then it won't be something that gives life. If it's an organism, if it's something that's alive, you cannot replicate for yourself someone else or something else and create that DNA in your own church and things like that. Now, I'm not saying you can't take from a perspective that they've given and something that they have unlocked as a way of doing small groups. And maybe the way they do small groups is really good. But if all you're caring about, if all you consider inside the church is, well, the best small group pastor, we're going to go and visit that church. The best evangelistic pastor, we're going to go visit that church. The best men's group pastor, we're going to visit that church. The best women's group, we're going to visit that church. The best whatever thing, we're going to do that. And then we try to replicate all these things as if that is some sort of metric of success. Why is that the standard when Jesus never gave us that as a metric for success? He said, if you want to be my disciples, you must pick up your cross, follow me daily. And so the way to measure success is by not measuring success. I, I, I truly believe that. I don't, and obviously that comes with a caveat because I, wa- I do want to see the church grow. 
Like, obviously, it. Well, it you're is, looking inside, you're not looking outside. Yeah, it, it, it's an organization. Like, that's just the reality of, of what it is. But I'm not going to say, well, our church is failing because last week we had 89 people and this week we have 70. Where did those 19 people go? Why aren't there 19 extra than what we had last week? Mm -hmm. And that can always be the distraction that people um, use as a measure of like, well, if you're not having this consistent number and if it's not growing, then you must not be successful at what you're doing. So would you say it's like the heart of the church? So I'm just trying to look in your perspective yeah. from on stage. And, you know, we do fellowship between, you know, between our worship. And would you look at your congregation and say, man, my people are talking. My people are having conversations. They're fellowshipping. I hope they're praying for each other. Those are all disciplines, right? We're supposed to be congregating with each other. It, I would see that as a metric, as a real metric, sure. not necessarily a people metric, like a number metric. It's my people are doing the Lord's work and working together, sharpening each other. And that's why I say, hey, is it small groups that you can measure it as well? Like mm. how many people are involved in small groups? How many people are coming to serve? How many people are tithing, like you said? Yeah. It's all about what they're doing in the church, not necessarily how many people are showing up, I would think, right? Yeah. And I, so part of it too is that when we do these practices like fasting and prayers, it's not so that we can have God answer something we want Mm -hmm. as much as we believe that has the potential to do so, but it's so that people are practicing these disciplines so that they can become more like Jesus. Because some of the things we, we use as measurements of success, we think, oh, well, if I have more people in small groups, then that must mean that they're becoming more like Jesus. That's not always the case. Or, well, because more people are tithing, then um, the church is going to be able to buy a building, and that's a measure of success. Like, that's a good thing that you have a building. Praise God for that. But that's not the that's not the pinnacle. That's not the reach. Because whenever you think that you've reached some sort of success, it's never good enough. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, our goal is 50 people in small groups. Okay, what happens when you hit that goal? The next goal, I want 100 people in small groups. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then what happens is you start to see yourself then do your work and follow Jesus with the goal of having 100 people in small groups, mm-hmm. not with the 100 people looking and living like Jesus. Mm-hmm. It looks like that, but it's all a facade. It's all this fake masking of, well, we can honor God more with more people in small groups. We can honor God more with a building. We can honor God more with a staff. Like whatever that measurement is, the measurement will never be enough. Well, that's the mistake the church is doing now. More people, more people. And then all these people are going out claiming they're Christians and they're just surface level, not being equipped. Like Ephesians says, equip God's people. Are they getting equipped or are they getting entertained? Right. So then you have all these entertained Christians walk around claiming that they believe in Christ and they die, die to themselves, but really... Right. They're just consumers. Yeah. And Tim Keller says in his Counterfeit God's book that the things that we are doing as followers of Jesus should be contagious to others. I know the word contagious sounds kind of weird coming off the heels of a pandemic, but the reality of of something being contagious is that you want someone else to have what you have. And if we're going outside of the church and not wanting people to have what we have in the church, having a relationship with Christ— then what we have isn't really that powerful. 
And that's, what, and that's what Tim Keller says. He says, if you are not willing to tell other people about what you have in a relationship with Christ, then what you have is not the actual version of Jesus. You have your weird whatever version of Jesus you want to fill in the blank with. You don't have an actual relationship with Christ. You have a fabricated idea of what that relationship actually looks like. Wow. And so if I really truly have a relationship with Christ, it's going to cause me to replicate what I am experiencing. Not that I'm making disciples of myself, but that I am calling people to become disciples of Christ. I'm still a student. I'm not a teacher. I mean, I am a teacher, obviously. A teacher that's still learning. A pastor and what's that? A teacher that's still learning. A a teacher that's still a student. Like that's, that's just what I am. And so I'm calling other fellow students to come alongside, to listen to the master, to... Um, other people have said to apprentice under Jesus, almost kind of like internship sort of thing, mm-hmm. like disciple under Christ. Like that is ultimately the goal. And if I'm not trying to make other disciples, then what I have is not a true version of a relationship with Christ. But I think fasting is going to help us understand what that looks like in our context. Your neighborhoods are different than mine. Your coworkers are different than mine. I have no coworkers. I am my own coworker. <laughs> CEO. A staff of one. Yet. For now. We'll get there. God's on the move. But I have different neighbors. I have different coworkers. I have different people in my community somewhat. We go to the same grocery store, although we've never seen each other there. But we live I see right JT all the time. I never see you. We need to have JT on the podcast. We can talk about this. Yeah, we do. He'll he'll be on soon. I promise you. And so what that looks like for you, Gabriel, in your city, in your community is a different context than mine as it is for you. But the same goal should be accomplished in that we are wanting to make disciples. Yes. And to baptize them and to teach them to observe what God has given to us. And fasting is, I think, going to help us see the areas of our lives, not just where we've given ourselves to other idols, but also where we have failed to make Jesus known to other people as well. And if our mission statement is cultivating a love for God and others, a lot of times we're just good at cultivating a love for God, but we're not always good at cultivating a love for others. And that's- Or just a certain certain category of people. Right, right, right. So, I I mean, this is definitely a fasting challenge because God is going to challenge us. He's going to stretch us and he's going to stretch- all of you who listen to this, because it is a challenge, it is a journey. But the beautiful thing is that we're not doing it alone. And like we've already mentioned, we have accountability. We've been able to talk about different things and use this as an opportunity to fight sin together. That's ultimately the goal. And we have community together. We have dinner together. We watch football together. We're hopefully going to watch the Cowboys lose in a couple of weeks. Week five. Go Eagles. Rams, Cowboys, let's go. I'm going to fast from the Cowboys. I think they play the Eagles. I think they're fasting right from you, bro. <laughs> they're fasting from the NFL. <laughs> I think it's more challenging to watch the Cowboys right now. Oh, my goodness. Eagle fan. Shots fired. Shots fired. Okay. Hey, we thank you for listening to the uh, In Progress podcast. We're still getting used to the name, so we're working on that. The In Progress podcast, because we know that all of us are in progress. We're always growing. We should never be content with where we are. And so the progress is always there, and there's always an opportunity to grow. We love you for tuning in. Thank you so much. And until next episode, we'll talk to you guys later. Deuces. Peace. Peace.